Bangarang Radio, Bangarang Radio, BangarangRadio.com. I'm going out, I gotta go, I'll Bangarang on the radio, so turn it up, I'm telling you, I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya, hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Listening to Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamour. Thank you, Chris. That's uh, Chris DeMakes, everybody, from Less Than Jake. I wanted to point him out once again because he just celebrated a birthday a couple days ago. Now, I don't know if he's going to listen to this podcast at all, but I still want to wish uh, Chris DeMakes a happy belated birthday. I wished him a happy birthday online, but I just wanted to go ahead and uh, give that a mention. Uh, once again, and if you're li- if uh, you're looking for a custom song, Krista Makes is your guy. By the way, hit him up to get a custom song made. He also has a really awesome podcast called Krista Makes a podcast where he talks to different people about uh, songwriting and how their hit songs came to be. And it's a really great podcast. He's super, super good at uh, being a podcast host. So if you're looking for another great podcast to check out, then uh, go ahead and give his a listen. I promise you'll like it. So lots of exciting things have been happening lately, and I'm super grateful for that, as always. The one being, I am going to be a guest on someone else's podcast, which is always such a huge honor Um, I've been on a couple other podcasts in the last couple years, and uh, I just always get really excited for it, because when someone asks you to be a guest on their podcast, it's just like the the coolest thing, in my opinion, Um, because I love supporting other podcasts. You know, we're all in this, we're all trying to do the same thing, right? So we may as well support each other, just like bands support each other, right? So coming up this Thursday, if you're listening before then anyway, this Thursday, October 1st, I'm recording an episode of Emo Social Club Live on their Twitch channel, which is emosocialclub.tv, and that's going to be at 7.30 Central Time on Twitch. Now, I was told that it'll be live, but the uh, the actual podcast that gets put on all their different platforms and channels will be released the following Monday, so that would be the 5th. So if you can, if you're listening before... October 1st, and you want to ask me some silly questions or just hear us talk about emo, pop punk, pizza, whatever uh, that gets brought up in conversation on October 1st, please do so. So once again, the Twitch link is emosocialclub.tv, and I'm sure the stream will be available to watch later on as well if you uh if you missed it and you want to check it out but please uh give uh, emo social club a like a follow on social media and uh support them give their podcast a listen um lizzie baumgartner who's a part of the uh, emo social club reached out to me some months ago we bumped into each other at a show before covid and she asked me if I was interested, and I told her, hell yeah, I would love to. So, um, once again, Emo Social Club, this Thursday, October 1st, 7.30 Central Time, emosocialclub.tv. 
TV. Thank you to Lizzie and the rest of the crew for inviting me to be on. I am super, super excited about that. And I'm also super excited about today's guests because we have uh, the Collar Brothers, Lou and Pete, from legendary hardcore band out of Queens, New York, Sick of It All, on the podcast. They just released a brand new book last month in August called The Blood and the Sweat, The Story of Sick of It All's Collar Brothers. And I haven't finished the book yet. I'm still in the beginning, but man, is it a great book. Um, I highly suggest checking it out, even if you're not the biggest fan of Sick of It All, or you don't even know much about the band, but you've heard of the name. I would dive into this book and uh, also just give Sick of It All a listen, because I had always heard the name Sick of It All. And I was just always kind of like familiar with their music, but I didn't really know a lot of uh, their story. And it's just super, super interesting to read and hear Lou and Pete talk about, you know, being raised in New York City, how sick of it all got started in the 80s. They talk about their involvement with the legendary punk venue CBGBs. There's just so many great stories in this book and uh, we had a lot of we had a great conversation here just uh, yesterday when I recorded this podcast with them. So without further ado, Lou and Pete Collar of Sick of It All. Is there, do you have any questions for me or anything like that before we like get full, full deep into things or anything I need to know? Do you in fact run a pizzeria? (laughs) 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 That's a great, you know what? I've never had anyone ask me that. Um, Out of all the pizza oriented questions people have asked me, I've never been asked that one. Um, What is your favorite pizza place? My favorite pizza place. Well, you guys have I've been to Chicago, I'm sure, numerous times yeah. over the years, or more more than numerous times. Um, I mean, I like all the typical chain places that everyone knows when they think of Chicago: Lou mm-hmm. Malnati's, Giordano's, mm-hmm. um, Gino's. Um, you know, there's another. I just had another well-known place called Aurelio's with my family. Yeah, I know that one. Okay, yeah, I had that with my family yesterday. Um, so my it's funny, um, my brother actually lives in Brooklyn, and uh, he was in town. Um, so, <laughs> nice. and I did see that uh, that graffiti was done in Bushwick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's in that's in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. Okay, I believe I've passed the last time I last summer I was in Brooklyn to visit him, and I believe we walked through Bushwick. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's very industrial, but there's a, a little hip couple of streets with really good restaurants and cafes and all, all artists. And it's really nice. So do you know how that art piece came about? Uh, the two guys, they, they work with that. It's called the uh, the Bushwick Collective. And these two graffiti artists uh, work with them and they're just fans of the band. And they they always do a that corner is theirs, I guess. And then this year they just felt it, you know, 
uh, it's a, actually just a little kid who dropped his ice cream cone. And in the background, I don't know if you can tell, all different ice creams in the background. He's crying. But they said Man. it fit for the, uh, the year. You know, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I like the I feel like I have you guys noticed a, a bump in like numbers or just people discovering your band because of the name? Because <laughs> I mean, everyone is is really sick of it all in, in 2020, you know, oh, like yeah. not to not to be punny, but like <laughs> it's so true. Like it's just uh, it's been one of those years. Um, but yeah, no, the uh, sorry. Go ahead, Pete. No, it's just, uh, you know. I have a, a couple of sick of it all flags that I'm actually going to put out on the, the lawn pretty soon because every person up and down this road here have like 20 Trump flags each house. So either I'm going to burn theirs or put up sick of it all flags. I think, uh, I think that would work for <laughs> Honestly, if I had a sick of it all flag, I would, I think that's what I would put in my front yard because yeah. I'm, I'm sick of <laughs> all yeah, of yeah. it. Oh, just yeah, yeah. all of them. Just, I'm just done. <laughs> Maybe we could get those little, like, yeah. you know, like the people put their political signs up those little in their lawns. We could get those made and just hand them out. You know, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you could. Yeah, um, you know what? My, my wife said, why don't you guys just make those and people could just put them on their lawns and, <laughs> such a great idea distribution that's the problem <laughs> yeah you got to have someone to uh be able to do that for you but you you might you might look into it because i know um bowling for soup um they mm-hmm. have some like political looking uh merchandise like yard signs and stuff oh, um, that's cool. i'm trying to remember exactly what it says but it's pertaining to 2020 <laughs> and i think the the slogan is like make 2020 fun again or or something make america fun again <laughs> now i want to look that up real quick that, because, yeah but um but yeah you could uh i think sick of it all would gosh i, I can only imagine how well that would sell seriously <laughs> it would yeah, sell yeah. so well it's true um, let's look yeah. up right now where we have these made yeah so um <laughs> I don't know how familiar you guys are with Bowling for Soup. I assume well, you've crossed them, paths. Yeah, the, the songs and that uh, we've met them a couple of times, especially I, I think I met them once through Howie. Okay. Howie Abrams, yeah, because he's okay. worked with them. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah, it says Reddick and Bernie make America fun again 2020. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and it's got like little cartoon drawings of, of Reddick's face and, and Bernie's face. <laughs> So I I think yeah I think sick of it all could it could be the Kohler brothers, you know, I mean, it could yeah I I think that would that would work out well it could be Lou and your your face drawn you know, um I think that would work <laughs> that would work out pretty well, <laughs> um so let's let's talk about um the book obviously that's <laughs> that's the main reason you right, guys hold are on. here I just found custom made lawn signs for thirty eight cents each oh my god there you Four go hours. I mean <laughs> thirty eight cents is bad now but does that include the frame it oh, the, little, the, the little wire things that hold it up yeah yeah wow all together. That's not a bad. Nice. Honestly, that's not a bad deal. You know, see, now you said it in the podcast. You're gonna hear it and be like, "Listen, look at the markup on these things. These guys are rich." I mean, they were thirty-eight dollars each. <laughs> yeah, so we're selling them for fifty-eight. Oh man, 
That's true. They're going to be, yeah, we shouldn't have said how much uh, it costs to make. <laughs> that that kind of screws that up, doesn't it? Well, I mean, you guys aren't touring, so, you know, you need to get, yeah, you got to make money problem. somehow. Yeah. You yes. Because that's your, your bread and butter like every other, you know, band and, and musician exactly. out there. Yeah. So, was, yeah. so, yeah, that would, you know, that would help, uh, that would help pay for that for sure. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, your brand new book it just came out um, last month, uh, or no? Was it two months ago? Like August. It, it was out. August. Okay, so yeah. it was last month. Um, the blood and the sweat um, story of uh, sick of it all's Kohler brothers, um, Lou and Pete. Obviously, here uh, I was really surprised when the book was sent to me and um, in you know in, in digital format, and I. I uh, opened up the file and I started reading it to see that uh, Chris Caraba of Dashboard <laughs> Confessional did the foreword, and the foreword is so cool. It's just yeah. like a such a touching story. And um, do you guys remember uh, that story before, like Chris wrote the foreword, or before you guys came? Because I know you became friends, obviously, later on in in years after that that first show um that he played with you guys but do you remember that night yeah yeah i remember meeting him i remember also uh that that's the one at the reading festival wasn't it the is that the he or is that the, one, the, the furnace fest there was two different ones where we met well, him. the one when he talked about you i think that was at some club in florida remember when his his band or half his band didn't show up oh yeah yeah <laughs> okay, and, and the other part with Reading, that was with me. Yeah. I remember, I went to catering, and he was there, and I was like, oh, shit, that's the guy from Dashboard Confession. <laughs> he came over to me, and, and we just started talking, and it was he's such a cool guy. That, that was a, a very strange uh, bill. It was like Dashboard Confessional was on it. Uh, this is the same stage, and we were the the – closer or the headliner and it was like international noise conspiracy dashboard confessional coheed and cambria um uh bouncing souls and i believe hot water music and we were going on after all these guys so we opened up with we are the champions was our <laughs> intro and all i remember is dennis from uh noise conspiracy and uh, one of the guys from uh the bouncing souls look at each other and go, that's the perfect song. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's that you're right. That is kind of a, uh, a strange like collection, but it's all cool. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm sure, you know, um, I, it's always enjoyable to go to festivals or, or shows that, you know, have a, a variety. Yeah. You know, I, like, that's what we liked about it. And, and even that, that stage was designated the concrete stage or the, whatever it was called, like, you know, the mm -hmm. hard jungle or some weird name. And we always <laughs> ended up playing with great acts. Uh, one of the last times that it was actually fun, it was uh, uh, against me, sick of it all, uh, alkaline trio. And I forget who else, but it was just, Oh, the skins that uh ska band from, uh, like uh from england and it was okay. just a great day you know wow yeah Love shows like that and uh, a... chuck reagan too yeah, chuck reagan, chuck reagan. they they like opened the day and they were amazing and there was barely anybody watching them and that's when i knew that the reading festival has changed to 
it's just the place to be for kids. You know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. you always music fans and they loved every band or at least they wanted to check out every band. And at that point I was like, there was people that kind of, you know, wandering in, you know, checking them out, maybe wandering out. He had his fans there, but you know, like back in the day, there'd be 6,000 people. They didn't give a fuck what it was. They just wanted to hear music. And that's when I noticed that the, uh, the festival has, I didn't want to play there. It, it became it became one of those things where, like, if we played on that Sunday night, you'd go and talk to somebody from the Yeah, we just sold out next year. We go, oh, who's playing? Yeah. Go, we don't know, but it's sold out. You know, wow. it became more about the event instead of the music. Mm-hmm. I it was, feel yeah, like- it's like the place to be for like, like, tweens and teens, and then you know, so they could tell their friends like, yeah, we got fucked up at the uh, Reading Festival. You know? <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what happened with Lollapalooza in Chicago, almost. Like, I, yeah. I hear the, I hear kind of the same thing. Like you just said, oh yeah, we just, we just want to get fucked up, or we just got, you know, fu-. like I hear so many stories like that, and it's almost like they don't even really care, like who's actually yeah. there, you know? Yeah. It's it, it is good when you see the people with uh, like a song that you've written means so much to somebody, and it's and it was funny, like going to the. Uh, I know this is right off. We're not even talking about the book. But, <laughs> hey, that's uh, okay, man. I mean, everything, you know, it all circles back because obviously the book is the story yeah. of you guys and sick of it all. So the, the last um, Warp Tour that we did, 2017, uh, I, w- I was amazed that, you know, I had met the guys from um, the Ataris once or twice. And then seeing uh, uh, Chris, that's the singer again? Yes. Was, yes, I we were playing and when we started playing in Vegas, we were doing clobbering time. We we're playing by the pool and he's diving in singing. And so I'm going, why he likes sick of it all. And he was telling me how much it meant to him. And then watching them play and uh-huh. play, you know, their, their hit song and watching, not just, you know, everybody's, Oh, it's pop punk. It's younger. No, the, the, the people, men, kids singing those words. So I love that. That is my favorite thing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's like, I feel like that's, classic chris of the ataris like he when he's into something he will let you know and he just he just dives in and and that's so that's so badass and yeah that must have been like a such a huge compliment to you guys to to see that like wow like you know i mean chris from the ataris is so into our band that he's in the pit right now (laughs) and and on that tour like you know everyone obviously becomes friends or whatever and later into the tour, we got into a, an accident with our, what do you call that thing, Lou? Uh, was it like a bandwagon? Yeah, a bandwagon. So someone in a pickup truck hit us. Ooh. You know, it was destroyed or whatever. And So then the next day, word around, you know, Warp Town was, oh, shit, they got into this bad accident and this and that. And he came up to me, like he was getting in a van or something, and he sees me and he comes running over and he hugs me, but and he was like, I'm so glad that you guys are okay. And there was actual tears in his eyes. Wow. That's a good person. He was like, he goes, I heard it, but no one had any information. And I was, I was freaking out. <laughs> and he's like, a, you know, super nice guy. Mm-hmm. I know, I know Chris is, I mean, almost every band that's been on the road for a long length of time has had some really, really bad accidents yeah. on the road so i think 
the members, the band members that go through those, when fellow bands in the scene go through those, it almost, it just kind of really hits home with them. Yeah. You know, and plus he's a fan of your band. So that, that's <laughs> even just adds on, on top of it. So yeah, exactly. How was that, that last year playing warp tour for you guys? I know that wasn't the final warped, no, but it was, it was like the one before. Yeah. The second to last. Yeah. Uh, it was weird. We had good and bad days, you know, uh, their plan of having a stage for the older bands, it kind of worked, but, uh, sometimes, you know, going on it, you know, two in the afternoon on a, on a Wednesday, most of our friends are still at work. <laughs> right. But yeah. we did, you know, we, we had fun and, uh, mm -hmm. we had some nights that we were incredible. You know, it was good. Yeah. We, I'm really grateful we got to do it one more time, you know? Right. We did the very first one. Now, were were you getting word or hearing rumors that Warped was going to be no longer a thing? That Kevin was getting, yeah, you know, there was people talking about it. He was even saying to, uh, "Yeah, it's the last one. This is the last one." But then he did the next one because mm -hmm. I think he wanted to end it was a certain year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that twenty years, something like that? Uh, I don't know uh 25 yeah I, I think was the the last one where they just did a couple yeah. cities that was 25 i think um you know what i love i love that pete or is it lou which one is playing guitar right now i, I am <laughs> i figured i mean it makes the I'm, most sense but well, um, i'm petting a dog so. <laughs> playing guitar petting a dog it's like it's like complete you know it just needs someone eating pizza right now and this i'm whole... sure craig and armine are doing that right now <laughs> <laughs> oh man um so getting back to um to the book and and chris caraba of dashboard confessional his his foreword there um, which I feel like most people skip those four words. At least I used to skip them in books until mm -hmm. like the last couple of years, I would actually read them. And I find that there's some of the coolest parts of a book is the yeah. foreword. Um, so I, I was wondering, um, what was it like when, you know, like obviously Chris is, he, you guys are, are some of his musical heroes. What was it similar um, when you met your musical heroes, was it similar to like Chris's story? What was it like when you met some of your musical heroes along your career? I'm sure you've met at least one, you know, along the way after all these years. It's hard for, for me. And I think I speak for the whole band that we don't like when I met, uh, when we all met Lemmy from Motorhead, it was just like, wow, you know, and we talked to him and he was so cool and down to earth. And, but it made you just love me more. I don't think people think about us like that. But when you read Chris's thing, like even meeting Chris, I was like, oh yeah, we, you know, you loved our band as you were growing up. That's cool. But then when I read it, you get a little choked up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause it's I hard for us to, oh, at least for me to think of somebody thinking of sick of it all like that. Like, Oh, I like sick of it all, but not like, you know, it was so important when I was this age and it helped me through this, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, just you get, you guys made such an impact. Um, and then you don't, I guess you don't think about it until, you know, moments like with, with Chris Caraba, yeah. you know, and then you're like, Oh wow. <laughs> and yeah, it, it does, it does hit you in a certain way. 
So, um, so it's you always met- cool to, it's always cool when you meet, like Lou said, like someone like Lemmy and they're just cool because mm-hmm. obviously he's an icon and this and that, but we're all guys in bands or, you know, ladies in bands. We're just, it's a amazing job, but it's a job, you know? Right. And some, some of the people, uh, being lucky enough to play these huge festivals in Europe, Peter, remember we were walking through the backstage with, I forget which one of our roadies and freaking slashes just standing there. And I go, don't bother him. My friends, our roadie was like, I want to take a picture with him. And he walked up, excuse me, can I take a picture? He goes, yeah, sure. Cool as, you know, cool as guy. Just like hanging out, talking to you, you know, that's really cool. Cause that's a guy he's in freaking guns and roses. And he's just like right. standing around, no bodyguard, no pretentiousness. Just like, Hey, what's up? Yeah, Lou, that, do you remember when uh, Rachel at the Grows Rock, Rachel was wasted laying on the floor and Slash Slash stepped over, stepped over her. He was like, whoa, are you a... <laughs> that's the best. Rachel is a good friend of ours. First our... time I met him, I was like, oh, that's our friend. So don't mind her. She's all right. <laughs> that's so funny whoa are you all right because like, yeah. he almost stepped on her it was really dark uh-huh oh so she was just wasted out of her mind laying on the floor yeah, just yeah. laying on the floor outside where all the buses were and you know everyone was leaving the festival it's okay she's mm. english it's all right yeah <laughs> that's it's okay husband, that's that's what husband, they do yeah husband Foz is standing next to us going oh boy yeah, <laughs> so what well, what are how was how did the story of lemmy go i can't remember i haven't read i haven't finished the book yet um and i can't remember if is that story in the book of how you I, met? I think the first time we met him which was when we were teenagers uh waiting outside of a show yes i remember um, that and I, but i don't yeah. remember you speaking to him at that point didn't you just see him and that was no, it. There or did was you one where we saw him, him walking down the street. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, the, I think it's in the book where the first time we, we were hanging out behind the, the the club and uh, the guitarist at the time, Brian Robertson, walks out first, and I had him sign a seven inch, and he just went right to the bus. And then uh, the drummer, Filthy Animal, came out. He said hi, signed stuff, and went right to the bus. Lemmy walks out and stops and starts talking to you. We were like. I was 16 and I had a Harley Davidson hat and he goes like, Oh, nice hat. Where's your bike? You know, making fun of us and joking around with us kids. And it was great. I don't even know if that's in the book. I was going to say, so. I mean, I, like I said, I haven't read the whole thing yet. I do remember, um, the, uh, the part where you, you know, guys just saw him walking down the street. Yeah. Um, that was in, in Queens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also in the book, there's a part when we, what, what festival was it? Grass Pop in Belgium, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was Twisted Sisters' last tour ever. And they were headlining. And somehow I met uh, their risk management manager. I don't know how. And then I knew he was going to be there, so I texted him. And he was like, yeah, just come up on stage. So me and Lou went up there. And it was just the atmosphere because we always loved Twisted Sister. We we had we had their like demo tapes and we'd record them when they played on what was that radio station? Uh, WLIR. There's a documentary yeah. about it. Yeah, LIR. So we were super into them, and and now they're our peers, you know, and they're up <laughs> and and like 
Lou even describes in the book they had uh, their intro was it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And we were standing there watching them like get psyched for the show, like just behind the curtain. And I was so like jazzed up. I'm like, this is, you know, it's a childhood you know, thing like, wow, this is great. So they're playing and Dee Snyder keeps looking over at me and Lou because we're the only guys on this side of the stage. And he comes running over but while they're still playing. And he goes, he goes, yo, you're the guys and sick of it all. <laughs> and I, I grabbed him around the lapels and I just yelled. I was like, fuck, yeah! <laughs> Screaming in his face because I was so excited. Fanboy I was just like, he, he knows who we are. Yeah. And then he dedicated songs to us. We, oh, oh my gosh. That was great. Wow. That's that's amazing. That, yeah. that truly is amazing. I'm sure. Yeah. Like what else could you like? You probably couldn't think of any other words to say <laughs> yeah. besides well, fuck. Like what I, else do you say? It's just I like. I mean, just think they're playing. It's like, how many people is that, Lou? 40, 50,000 people? Yeah, something like that. Even going more. crazy. And he runs over to us on the side of the stage to say hi. It's the best. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's one of those. Um, definitely one of like, got to be one of the best moments of your of your career. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about growing up in in Queens. I was really cool. It was really interesting to read about your parents and how how they met. And how your mother was from France. Yeah. Um, so did you grow up speaking any French or knowing any French? I know That's... in the in the book you you visited family there a f- at least a few times. Yeah. Well, um, the problem is uh, we were four boys a year apart, four brothers. Mm-hmm. And my mom, when we were little, she would speak some things like we knew how to like when we wanted dessert, she would say it in French and this and that. But she waited till we were all a certain age so that she could sit us down. And during the summer, she was going to teach us French. Now, four boys just get out of school and she's sitting us down. Teaching. I think it lasted a week and a half. And then finally, it's in the book. She just turns around. She just so fed up. She goes, just get the hell outside and just open <laughs> the doors and says, loosen on the world. It was, you know, we're four boys are sitting there and you're trying to pay attention and your older brother makes a joke and then the other guy makes a joke and then he punches you and then, you know, <laughs> kicks your chair. And it was just, you know, we were just full of energy. We had to get the hell. She just yeah. threw us out. So we never learned to speak it very well at all. I, uh-huh. I, I know Pete knows a hell of a lot more than I do. I could barely say, uh, you know, good morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um <laughs> I let's see. I mean, bonjour is is obviously you know. And then I know bon- bonjour, bonsoir. I was gonna say bonsoir. Yeah, bonsoir. Yeah, I uh, I come from French Canadian heritage, so oh, nice. like you know, I've I've always obviously I'm I'm fascinated with you know the the French culture and everything, and I always I I wondered if if your mother had kind of brought that down to you guys because in my family it didn't carry on either, you know. Um, my, my grandfather, uh, when he was a kid, apparently he, he was fluent at French and then it eventually just, it faded and that was the end of it. So, um, yeah, when you don't use it, That's right. Like French, I always, uh, France, I always tell Pete, you go speak in a mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Pete g- kind of knows a little bit when you're at shows that exactly. you, Pete, Pete does the speaking. <laughs> Okay. Not really. 
<laughs> you just like maybe just a he few just says, words. He like asks them how they're doing and uh, tells them, yeah. tells them his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just... do you... so go. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, do you still have family in France? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they come to the show still. That's awesome. Yeah, like uh, it's their their kids to the shows now. Like the family brings them out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. It's I was just gonna say, it's a, a, a new generation, and it's like I don't even know any of them anymore. Uh, <laughs> there was one uh, we went. It was my mother's. I forget what birthday it was, but we surprised her. We all went over there without her knowing. She thought my dad was just taking her to France for her birthday, and we all surprised her. And we met so many cousins, and they were like, one of them worked for like EMI, and she was like. Nobody in my office believes that you're my cousins, that my cousins are sick of it all. Can we take a picture together? I'm like, yeah, why not? You're my cousin, you know? It was great. That's awesome. Like, I'm telling you, I'm related to him. This is for real. Like, you know. There's a a guy who he started a band and he has a, 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 I don't think he does a podcast, but he has a website called either Double X or, you know, Total Straight Edge Kids from the 80s. And uh, he was a, a student and the, uh, my cousin was his teacher. That's how he discovered sick of it all. He was wearing like black flag shirts. And my, my cousin goes, Oh, so you like, you like that loud, crazy punk music. And he goes, yeah, he goes, all right. And then two days later, he goes, here, here's a present. These are my cousins. And he looks at the tape. It says sick of it all. And the kids jaw dropped. <laughs> I still know the guy now. It's funny, but he, he always tells that story, how he discovered sick of it all through, my my cousin who was his teacher at the time yeah wow that's funny small world man small world um so i mean you you obviously didn't learn french real well but (laughs) i'm sure you learned some about the culture especially going to visit there as kids so what's what's one thing that you've been able to take away from you know being introduced to the the french culture and and kind of growing up with it one what's one thing you could you took away from it or what's so different from that culture compared to you know american I culture would, for me i would say the the open mind and open mindedness uh our mother was a little girl in france when the germans uh, came rolling in and the, the stories that she would tell us and uh that's why she was always like, you never judge a person on how they look. You always judge them on their actions. You know, that was something that we, we learned from her. You know, how about you, Pete? What's your take? Well, the, the culture, like Lou said, everyone's open-minded and you know how everyone, the stereotypical French person is mean and angry and, you know, stuck up, <laughs> stuck up, but everyone's yes. just super nice. Mm -hmm. what i've noticed from touring is like in america everyone's like oh they hate americans at in this country oh they hate this over there everywhere we go everyone's cool Mm -hmm. it seems to be the people here that are always judging remember we played a a festival in istanbul and after it was before it after the during and after the festival we just hung out i remember walking into the lobby because i couldn't sleep late at night and the guy goes, where are you going? I go, I don't know. Is it all right if I take one? He goes, of course. And he said, go that way. And he said, you see the beautiful, you know, you go up to this uh, bridge and you can see the whole city. And it was, and it was, you know, it wasn't like, 
and you know getting messages at home don't go don't go out don't leave the hotel it's you know yeah. it's a muslim country or whatever you know oh my god yeah <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's just like when we were in singapore it was the same yeah. everyone's like oh it's it's all muslim this and it's like yeah everybody was super cool and when my wife Mei Ling and myself went out hanging out we went down to a an area where there was a catholic church and literally five feet away there's a buddhist temple and then there was a mosque and then there was you know whatever and it was all it was the cool thing is is all the side doors were open opening to each other's place place of worship and we went to the catholic churches you know just to look inside and then the buddhist people oh come in so we went into theirs then we went into the mosque it was actually really cool and everybody was super nice the exact opposite of what everyone was telling us <laughs> yeah that's that's well that's almost like um like you pointed out in your book um about how everyone thinks new yorkers are just rude and mean <laughs> and you know and I, all that i've been to new york quite a few times in the last 10 years and i've never found that to be true um you know most the, the only people the only people that'll be rude and mean to you are the people who moved from some other state in, and <laughs> then they call themselves saying. New Yorkers, and they think that's how they have to be because they heard that on TV. So. <laughs> it's well, true. They think everybody's like so they, they don't give a shit about anybody but themselves. Well, and uh, you know, you prove you proved a good point about um, you know everyone's just trying to to get their business done and, and get to where they need to go. Yeah. I was going to say know. if you from any major city like Chicago, New York, wherever, you know, that you have to walk around sometimes you, you don't have time for somebody getting at the top of the escalator going, Oh, look at this. I got away. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but, but generally I haven't really found that, uh, that's that rudeness too much in, uh, in New York, you know? Um, so yeah, I I totally and I could see where what Pete's talking about too though about people that come in from especially I feel like some of the people that come in from Los Angeles um <laughs> can be can be the rude ones. I don't know if I'm not not saying all of them, but I but when you find out that they were originally from Los Angeles, you're like, "Oh." You know, or <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's just something you know. If we were doing this interview about 20 years ago, I would agree. I'd be like, you know, yeah, most people I meet from L.A. are, are you know, jackasses. But I've <laughs> I've met a lot of really cool ones, you know. So oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not saying all of them are bad. <laughs> Obviously, every single place has its its exactly, people. Yeah. They I mean, they say the same thing about, you know, Chicago and, you know, where where, you know, I'm in the Chicago area. So, I mean. They say the same thing about Chicago, but not everyone here is is that way either, you know. So, I but mean, Massachusetts, forget it. <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> forget them. Uh, um, what what I wasn't expecting when I started reading this book is that it's like, did you guys just have everyone sit down in a room and just start telling the story because it's it's yeah. almost like someone just transposed a, a like an audio recording. I and think it's just, that's that's what how he wanted the feel of the book to be because he would, you know, we've known him for decades and every once in a while he'd be hanging and it, whether we were hanging out backstage after a show or just 
running into each other and hanging out at somebody else's show, they'd be like, remember the time when, you know, when this happened and then we'd all start telling stories and that's what, how he wanted the book to feel like. And he wanted, uh, he would prompt it. Like there was a couple of face-to-face interviews, several face-to-face. And then, uh, the others were me, Pete and Howie on a three-way call. And Howie would always be like, now, when you were recording this album, I remember you saying this, and then we would go from there, like whether, oh, no, no, that happened at another time or whatever. So he must have like had to go through all of that and somehow transpose it. I would think that would take so much time. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> the name of the woman who, who did all the uh, transcribing. <laughs> oh, yeah, transcribing. I, I keep saying transposing like it's a song. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know the name. I forget the woman's name. and It's in the book, and I don't have my book with me. But uh, she was doing it. And I was very uh, – I wasn't so enthusiastic about the book. Like I said before, I'm like, who gives a crap, you know? Yeah, we tell funny stories about, you know – the band and growing up but uh who's gonna want to read that but i think it was after we did the first like four hours of interviewing and uh a week later howie says uh what i'm uh whatever the woman's name is she goes yeah she just wrote me back and she just wrote me said these guys i can't stop laughing which is good (laughs) that's what i was doing too i was laughing at some of these stories i'm like and then some of them i was just my jaw was dropped like (laughs) reading the story about the the car wreck um that you were in oh yeah um (laughs) as as teen you were teenagers at that time right Yeah. Um, yeah yeah i'm like how the hell did the did those guys survive that wreck like it's just like a just a crazy story yeah. you know because you, no one had seatbelts or you guys didn't have seatbelts <laughs> no. right no no not no. even a, the driver he didn't get hurt bad because he could hold on to the steering wheel the rest of us just flew around the car man gosh you know it's so, growing up in the 70s it made you tough yeah. <laughs> no bicycle helmets you know no. <laughs> Right. And growing up in, you know, in Queens and the the, the other parts of, of New yeah. York, you know, yeah, exposed to all kinds of, you know. It's, it's funny now. I didn't know that I that like, you know, uh, I make sure my daughter wears a helmet and all that. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know that uh, you could get in uh, in trouble with the police if your kid's not wearing a helmet. I didn't know that was a thing. Maybe he just here in New Jersey. I don't know. Is uh, like a a bicycle thing you're talking about? Yeah, bicycle like, helmet. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Some states have that law. I can't remember if they have that here in Illinois. I don't think so. It could be a. It could even be some towns require it too. It yeah. might not even be a uh, always a, a state mandate or a, yeah. a state law. But yeah, I have uh, I have heard that. Um, you know why they do that here in uh, Florida? Is because. A lot of the drug dealers ride around on, like you'll see an adult riding a, a weird BMX bike. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. obviously they lost their driver's license. So what they do, if you're not wearing a helmet, they can pull you over. And then now they'll search you. And if your bike gotcha. doesn't have lights on it, they can pull you over, you know, and all that. So that's mm-hmm. the reason that you have to follow all the laws of a car on your bicycle. <laughs> yeah. That well, I mean, fair. it's true. I mean, you know, if you're riding it on the street, right? I mean, you got to yeah. you got to have the lights and, you know, all the 
you got to use your your hands for when you're turning, right? <laughs> hand signals. Yeah, the hand signals. You know, it looks so weird, and you probably you feel so stupid doing it. But I mean, how else are you gonna know? You know, I always think if I'm on the bike and I'm like, I, I look if there's somebody behind me, like if I do a hand signal, they're not gonna know what the hell it is. You know, <laughs> they're gonna be like, what the hell is that? Yeah, what's that guy? Yeah, what's that guy doing? Is he crazy? <laughs> Did he hurt his elbow? His arm's just dangling there. <laughs> Um, so, so Pete, how did you end up in, in Florida? What part of Florida do you live in? I live in Daytona beach. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we just wanted to be living where it would actually be a vacation, you know? <laughs> well, I, th- we would move to Hawaii. It would be better. I could go visit. <laughs> but, Even uh, better. Yeah. You have to tell a better story, Pete. You got to be like, we came down for spring break one year, just never left. <laughs> we just kept partying. That's and it's been we like that ever partying. since. Oh man! <laughs> and Lou, you're still in New York because well, New Jersey. Or you're just vis- or New Jersey. Okay, yeah. that's right. You just said that. <clears throat> I, move, uh, I don't know how many years. Well, my daughter's ten. I got to be here like over fifteen years now. Okay, gotcha. I'm but, a- so, sorry go ahead i was gonna say when i first moved here uh, a lot of the bouncing souls i think the, all the bouncing souls moved to manhattan so i said somebody asked me why would you move to jersey they go, oh, i was a trade four bouncing souls for one sick of it all guy <laughs> that's what you guys are worth <laughs> <laughs> <I wish. laughs> that is that is kind of funny after all those years they moved to manhattan yeah well and i mean so- they're all back now they're all back in jersey but this is oh weird. they're all back oh yeah. okay gotcha I was going to say it's it would be so strange. I can only picture them in <laughs> but you know that's what happens in in later years. Bands they um they all move in <clears throat> they live in different parts different of the country. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um so it's uh you know they all started in Florida and now they're in four different places, you know. <laughs> so um that's just uh that's just how it works. Um so there's so much I feel like music history surrounding this book just because of what was going on in music when sick of it all started up um you know i mean you're in new york city i mean it's one of the most iconic cities for hardcore punk rock um you know and the list go well you guys even talked about uh you're talking about hip-hop mm-hmm. in the book right um yeah and uh, how talking about how popular that was in your neighborhood. Um, so CBGBs in New York City, you guys went there to to go to shows. You played shows there. Was was that venue and scene as amazing as it's always made out to be? And and you know, because every article I read, it's just always so talked up, and I always wonder is is that. <laughs> Is is that really like? Was it the hype, or are they just making well, it seem? Put better it this that? way: it it was to us, and we dedicated our entire lives to it. It was it was that special, that scene, that that's all I want to do is music is because of that. Yeah, it was. It was it's, like Pete said. It, it, to us, it was the place, you know, and it, and it really was special, especially in the beginning like uh, and years going you know until it got really when people started seeing photographs of like agnostic front and the chromags they thought like oh i gotta be tough like these guys and they came down and 
you know, the history of it where it got shut down for years where they wouldn't have hardcore and then it came back. But, uh, it was so, it was a place where we could go and just however you looked, you were there. You know, I remember going to AF shows and the diversity, you, know, you think it's agnostic front New York city skinheads, but the diversity in the crowd was so, we were just long haired metalhead kids. Like, all right, this is it. We're staying here. You know? Yeah, because you don't think of long-haired metal kids when you think of CBGBs. At least I don't. Like no. <laughs> everyone always thinks, you know, you go right to punk rock and yeah. you know the the giant ass mohawks and you know Liberty spikes and just you know leather jackets and. I don't think the thing that I don't like is uh, whenever anybody talks about CBs, especially more mainstream media. And even magazines or, well, they're not, I don't know if they're still around anymore, but, you know, <laughs> magazines like Spin and Rolling Stone, they do talk about hardcore, but when they talk about CBs, of course, they're going to talk about, you know, the Ramones and Blondie and Patti Smith. And yeah, of course, that was a huge part of it. What kept it alive for the last 10 to 15 years of, of its life were the hardcore shows at CBGBs. And that gets glossed over real quick, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right, because honestly, I didn't realize how much hardcore was a, a big part of that venue until, <clears throat> excuse me, until reading your guys' uh, book and, and diving into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. You just think of, you know, the the softer side of, of punk rock and then rock and roll, you know, because obviously the Ramones weren't the hardest punk band in the world. You know, they were more on the, the softer side of things. Yeah. Um, you and yeah, played a hell of a lot faster, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and uh, yeah, I just I've never heard much about the the hardcore uh, scene, so I guess I just never never really occurred to me. So yeah, I think. Just... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say what I said before. Pete, they they just gloss maybe because it didn't have a uh, one central band to focus. Well, that not even that had one central band, but you know, I don't know why they glossed over it. You know, uh, yeah, I think the Ramones and Blondie took uh, better photographs. You know, like <laughs> they, we didn't dress cool. We to us, it would just show up as you are and go wild. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why that's part of Sick of It All's legacy, and I feel like <laughs> no, really, like it's part of your success story is that you didn't put on the garb, like. You guys just showcase that, hey, we're we're just everyday blue-collar people. And, of course, you didn't pretend like, as you said in your book, you didn't pretend like you were from the streets or that you lived on the streets. Like, And I feel like you could, and I'm sure, well, yeah, there was probably plenty of people in the scene that dressed that way, but they weren't even from the streets they just acted yeah. i mean like there was a bunch were. that were and some that ended up doing it because they thought that's what you had to do to be in this scene but yeah we, mm-hmm. we even say it in the book and i say it to uh we say it all the time when uh, people ask you have you ever lived in a squad hell no i had a house, My <laughs> house and we're going home yeah i'm going right <laughs> yeah, i think exactly. it also helped that we weren't into doing heroin you know well, <laughs> that helped a lot yeah that too um (laughs) (laughs) thank god for that i mean think about it this way if you guys were or if you were doing that i'm sure i mean sick of it all might not be even around anymore so (laughs) maybe yeah 
Thank, thank God thank that. God for uh, that yeah. <laughs> right. Thank God that that didn't happen. My goodness. Um, so one, um, one thing I was wondering is sick of it all has accomplished, you know, so much, so much since the start in the 1980s. And I mean, after all accomplishing all of these things, what are some accomplishments that you have left, like that you want to accomplish that you've always still wanted to do and that you're still like, okay, I still want to make this happen. Are, are there any of those things left? I guess it's almost, I'm, I guess it's almost like calling it a, I don't know, a bucket list sounds like death. So I don't want to call it a bucket list. I guess it's more of like a goals list. Things to do list. Things to do list. Thank you. Yeah. Cause well, yeah, bucket list is, is not the right term, but you know, um, yeah. Things to do list. Like, you know, like Pete, what's one thing on, on your list that you would still like to do with sick of it all? Uh, I'd really like to play a show again, which would be nice. <laughs> go back yes. on tour would be nice. Actually, um, years ago, we put out a documentary called The Story So Far. And I think there should be a second part to it because how old is that documentary, Lou? 1999. Oh, yeah, wow. 1999. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, that part would be good. Uh, maybe involving more more history of hardcore, also because, like you guys were just talking about, anytime anybody talks about the CBGB scene, it ends where it should really begin. You know, the history. It's like Lou said, the hardcore matinees kept that place open for years, for decades. And it always just stops, you know, Blondie did this, the talking heads did this. And then, you know, they just, that's it. So then they skip over to the end of movie scene. or whatever would be nice. <clears throat> yeah. I think I, if, if it's like for what to do with the, the band still wants to do, I would like to see us maintain the, the level of success we have, but it's also trying to reach younger audiences and it's, you know, every generation has their own form of rebellion and kids who uh, might like bands that we've influenced don't necessarily like sick of it all. And I wish there was a way that we could get through to them. And it's one of the things that keep us going, you know, every time there's a new young band on the scene, whether, you know, metal or hardcore or whatever. And they say, yes, yeah, sick of it all has influenced us. And we check them out. If they're that good and excite, they excite us to, try and write the best sick of it all record we can, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just hope us being around this long doesn't turn the younger audience off. Other right. thing, I, w- I would like to, uh, you know, like I said, I would just like to see us keep going and not let the audience dwindle. So a part of that is, so is one of the things you try to do to reach the younger audience, is that like when you go on tour, do you support... Uh, do you tour support for like more um, like current bands that are just kind of coming up into the scene? It's Is that always, you... it's always a weird thing. It depends on how and when you can get in. Uh, a lot of the times we'll say, all right, let's take band X is the hot up and coming band. We go to them and they're all like, no, no, we can't headline over you. You're a legend. You're super. We're like, we want to play to your fans. And it always ends up where, they really don't want to go on after us because of whatever, because they're in awe of us. And then they'll play and 
half of their fans will walk out because they're just like, yeah, you know, and I understand it. You know, I was young. I never did that, but yeah. I mean, our our friends would open up for like, I remember when the zero boys were like the the big band and they they had great songs and our friends killing time just started and actually were called raw deal at the time. And they opened for him and all these people started leaving after uh, raw deal. And I'm like, you got zero boys going on and they didn't care. I thought wow. zero boys were awesome, you know. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've always appreciated bands that take out um other bands that are, are different from their genre or um their bands like Sick of It All or or whatever the, the case is. Um it's just always entertaining to let's say you go like for me, for instance, like um I always think of of real big fish because I've seen some of the strangest bands <laughs> open up for them and they have nothing to do with ska or punk rock. They're not anywhere near the, the genre. And That's you're just cool. like, so you just stand there like, and nobody walks out because everyone is, has like the same reaction. They're like, what is this? You know? <laughs> and so they end up like getting into whatever, you know, yeah. bands. Yeah, I didn't is. know that. I didn't know. Did you know that, Pete? That they did that? No, not at all. There's we, we we played with them at Punk Rock Holiday. It was a great lineup that year. It was uh, all the younger opening bands. Then it was Pennywise, Sick of It All, uh, and uh, oh, I'm thinking Less Than Jake. Less Than Jake. Oh, okay. Um, was, yeah, I mean, even Less Than Jake will play with some bands that are. You I know. bring that up because after the shows, you know. Uh, they they loved our set. We you know and we watched theirs and loved it. And we were talking and one of the, two of the guys was like we got to do this again. We should do this in the states. And I just looked at them like I don't think it's gonna work for us. <laughs> I don't think they're. Fin- we've done sh- we we we've we've done uh, not tours, but we did a lot of the shows with the Mighty Boss Tones. You know we were the band when people and we talk about it in the book that we like to be known more like ambassadors because hardcore was so you know we loved it so much we wanted to show other people why and. Uh, you know, we'd go out with uh, Helmet, and then the next week we're doing a, a, a tour with Rancid, you know, and we would mm-hmm. bounce between all those kinds of styles and, and the boss tones and Slayer, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing about of, hard, of hardcore and sick of it all is that you can um, bounce around like that within the different genres and, and sub-genres. You know, you can play a punk show but then you can go play a metal show too. Yeah. Yeah. We were and, trying, we were talking uh, a couple of times. We, we would talk to uh, the casualties and we should, we should have did it years ago, but who knows? Maybe we do it when this is all over. That I remember be- the casualties when I was first exposed to them, I was 12 and I saw, <laughs> <laughs> and I saw them play at warp tour. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that was, I was like just getting introduced to, you know, punk rock. And, and yeah. that was like the extreme end of it. And I remember being kind of scared, <laughs> you know, at one point because they were just so, uh in your face and so raw and um but it was so cool though you know like it was like you're you're kind of scared of it but you're kind of like whoa this is cool though i kind of want to see what's going on here (laughs) like you know what's gonna happen we tried to do that a lot with like we find young bands that we liked and they 
all in the punk and hardcore vein, but we, you know, what were some of the tours we did, Pete? It was like, uh, and I, one was we took like uh, Good Riddance and Snapcase, which yeah, are, yeah. you know, this is when they were new bands, you know. Mm-hmm. And well, that the, that bigger oh. one we did with it was us, AFI, and Hot Water Music, and Indecision. That yeah. was my favorite tour. One of my favorite tours. It was uh, we just did a Slayer tour. And then we were going out on a headliner and we, we asked AFI, uh, they just had Black Sails in the Sunset came out, Hot Water Music and Indecision from Brooklyn was like the big up and comer in Brooklyn. They were like the more metallic style. Mm-hmm. And the, the beauty of it was one of my favorite moments was towards the end of the, the, the whole tour was great, but the, one of the last shows in the, the Glass House in Orange County, Indecision went on, the place is packed wall to wall and I see kids in Blink-182 shirts, circle pitting to this heavy doom, you know, <laughs> screaming hardcore from fucking Brooklyn. And I was like, this is what it's about. You yes. know, and then Hot Water played, AFI, and we and us, and we all had amazing fucking shows. But then it was like a year later, everybody was like, I only like the heavy stuff, or I only like yeah. the melodic mm. singing stuff. And you're sick of it all. Like, why well, we're trying to hold it all together? <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? Where do we go? Who do we play with? Exactly. Oh man. Um, well, speaking of playing, I know that you were originally supposed to be um, on tour right now. I think in the states, um, or there was, or maybe that was this spring. I can't remember, but I know it, you were sp- because everything keeps get, kept getting pushed back. Yeah, we were supposed yeah. to do a, a tour with Agnostic Front. Yes. And then it got pushed back and then it got pushed back again. Now, like, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like Pete said, I, I, I wish we could go out on tour. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that tour actually takes place. I did see that it is tentatively rescheduled <laughs> for next year. And I did see that there's a date at Subterranean in Chicago. So um, hopefully that happens because I would like to go see you guys. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I, I was actually, you know, looking forward to that tour. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been our friends for years. And right. it should should have happened already, but it will. It'll happen. Mm-hmm. Now, what number tour is this with <laughs> Agnostic Front? I mean, I'm assuming it's not the first. No. It years ago, we did one. Was that 91 or 92, the very first yeah, one? Yeah, I don't know. When we is were it, like the young snotty kids, the AF loved us, and they took us out like in '91 or '90, something like that. Was that your first tour? No, no. What was the the first tour? First full tour? Or the well, first? We did. Yeah, it we was, did weekend shows, right? We always did weekend shows and stuff like that. But for the first time, we actually called it a tour. Was when Exodus took us out. Oh, that's right. And that was only, let's say, eight shows, maybe. Yeah, down the East Coast. Yeah, but then after that, the first actual tour we did, it was us, Nasty Savage, and DRI. And that was the entire U.S. Yeah, that was the first full, full tour. We did, uh, before that, we did the Bad Brains, right? No, 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 no. I could never remember. I know Bad Brains was 89. That's all I know. No, Bad, (laughs) Bad Brains was with the Quickness album. Yeah, 89. But DRI was before that. Okay. That's when Thrash Zone came out with DRI. <laughs> Thrash Zone. So um, 
Yeah, I guess I always, like I said, I haven't finished the book yet. So I guess I always, or when I started reading the book, I'm like, I bet AF was like the first band they went on a full tour with. That was just going to be like my hunch or my guess as I got further into the book, but I guess I was wrong. That's all right. <laughs> just because you guys... take us out. <laughs> right, because I knew they were they were such a big influence on oh, Sick yeah. of It All, you know? So, um, so I was like, I bet maybe there's a chance that AF is, is the band that they, they first go out on like a full tour with. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we got to wrap it up now. It's about an hour. So, uh, (laughs) I know it goes, it goes by quickly. Um, but uh, anything else that you want to touch on with, you know, with the book or just with the band, I mean, anything at, at this point, I mean, I know obviously we're living in the world of all these bands are starting to do these like full band live streams. And I'm not sure if you guys are, are trying to work on something like that in the meantime, or. We just do uh we, we recorded how many songs was it, Pete? I think it's five, five or six. Yeah. Five or six. Uh, we just recorded songs, uh, you know, each of us in our own home and all that stuff. We haven't, the the live like when people play live actual live stream unless you're acoustic uh that stuff sucks <laughs> the yeah. sound is hard it's well, right and it has to be done properly obviously but that yeah. that uh and that that also, requires sorry it's, go ahead. It's, it's like sick of it all is a live band we don't sit in chairs and play in front of a camera you know it's like when I'm moving around on stage, it's because I feel the music. It's not, I'm not acting, you know? Right. So I don't want to be sitting in a room, you know, with some headphones on and here's, you know, here's good looking out a song that makes you want to yell and scream and have fun and jump around. And I'm going to be sitting in, in my guest room filming it, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what right. We did a, a couple of videos for the, those songs that we re-recorded and we're all, you know, I'm like, I was su- super into it because it felt like I was actually getting to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. I uh, I remember watching, I think it was Dropkick Murphys did a live stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the uh, the baseball field, right? Yeah, the, that the was Red, cool. The Red Sox. And it was so kind of strange watching it because they're also an energetic live band. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and there wasn't a lot of energy going on. I'm like, this is so weird. Like it was cool and everything, but it was also just kind of like strange to see that, you know, after seeing them in person a couple of times and just yeah. like the the energy, like their audience just goes ape shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. They feed off the audience, you know. Right. Same as us. I think yeah. they did one before that. Yes. I yes, watched they it did. on YouTube, I think. And because their crew was running around in front of the camera and you know <laughs> four man circle pit and stuff like that <laughs> i i didn't catch the first one but i caught like you know bits and pieces of that that second one i, I think, think it was it, it was on memorial day or something wasn't it yeah i, I feel I like know. it was a holiday of some yeah. kind but I, um, I i heard i actually five million people watched that oh my god Wow, that's, that's a lot. Crazy. That is crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And that's the that's the cool thing is with these elaborate live streams. I mean, 
the bands are are reaching their whole audience from all over the world at this point instead of just like you know the show will get to everybody instead of just you know the the 500 people yeah. at that yeah. particular venue or whatever you know yeah. so it's uh it's yeah wild and strange times but yeah hopefully the uh you know the the rescheduled dates for everybody for sick of it all and you know all the other bands will will go on as planned and things will get uh things will get a little better so um also lou and i and our producer jerry we ja actually just did our first test run in recording the audio book so. <laughs> the audio version yeah okay yeah. i was i was wondering if there was going to be an audio version coming out so I'm assuming it's between, or it's you two recording it then, right? Yeah, we're yeah. actually you're actually in it. People. Yeah, we were actually going to try to get some of the other people, but like mainly like Armand and Craig and maybe Howie, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. I don't think we can like you know keep calling up everybody who's in the book. <laughs> Right. I like, you know, your parents and, and our brothers, <laughs> yeah. your other brothers, you know, um, I'm sure it, it's hard to get all the, the people together. So, but, but I, it, it, the way he has it set up, it's like, it's some website where you could, you know, record podcasts or whatever. Mm -hmm. Lou was in Jersey in his downstairs basement recording. And I was in my uh, bedroom in the closet actually recording because it's, <laughs> it's like a walk-in closet but it's really small yeah it's because you don't pick up the air conditioning you don't pick up the fans you don't pick up the dog barking mm -hmm. so like crouch down on this tiny little chair <laughs> with this microphone shoved in where all my you know shorts and stuff are so <laughs> but it, i Just actually don't like, fart and, you know. <laughs> when, when armand's part came up lou mimics armand and i thought that is great and that's funny because we always make fun of each other mm -hmm. voices and stuff maybe that, our mind should do my voice not do his <laughs> I was i'd rather have someone else do my voice and just do all the reading because that's a lot of fucking reading oh yes yeah um <laughs> and, and and you can't read it like yes i went to the race you know it was like you wanted to flow and be natural so I was going to say, you obviously, you, you, everyone has the book in front of them, right? When you're yeah. recording an audio book. But so are you, you're paraphrasing some of it, right? You're not reading it word for word? Well, well they, we, they want us to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you could, you know, you could change here and there. And like, I'll be laughing, like when Lou's reading a funny part and we want them to keep that in just so it's, it's natural, you know? Right. And they wanted to hire a professional guy, very stoic and, you know, just read everything. But he, you know, how do you laugh? <laughs> yeah. How do you, yeah. for the way the, the book is written, which I like the way how we put it together because it's very easy to read. It's obviously conversational because you're literally reading a conversation between you two and your brothers and the other yeah. band members and your parents, you know, and it just, it's cool how it, all flows together and and uh it's just easy to digest you know you just want to keep reading yeah exactly and and you need the uh there's stuff that it, it, i'm gonna laugh anyway and it, the, he has us on separate tracks and he said he's gonna do a version where he cleans up the tracks 
one of the other ones like there's a part of the book where Pete talks about bringing the Kiss Alive record to class for show and tell, and they put oh a song gosh. on. Oh my gosh! And yes. what after it? And I, I just even <laughs> now talking about, it, I'm I'm laughing already. Yeah. And I laugh when he read it, and you got to <laughs> leave that in there because that's you know it's gonna make it good. I laughed out loud too, and it and it brought me back to my childhood <laughs> when in music class they let us do that. Um, that same thing where yeah. you could you could bring the you know our music teacher would say okay on Friday <laughs> we're gonna let everyone bring in a CD from home as long as it doesn't have swearing in it or <laughs> or whatever you know you can bring it in and and we'll play a piece of that song or or whatever and um, yeah so I I just I did laugh at that scene that was just so so great I was like turn that off turn that off no one, oh my god yeah that was great don't ever uh, bring that in school again right don't ever bring that back and that's that's exactly what you think of I feel like when you think of kiss and like your the the generation that Kiss introduced themselves to, like and the and their parents, oh, yeah. you know, like being like, no, you cannot listen to Kiss, you know, it's it's bad. And, exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, caused caused things like sick of it all, you know, and and uh, now uh, years later, years later, you know, now you're the the ones wreaking havoc on on other people's parents, you know, saying like, I don't want to listen to that. The hardcore the, funny story uh my when my daughter was in kindergarten and we had just moved here to jersey uh there were, she had two teachers in kindergarten that worked together and they were like she says you're in a band and i told him yeah, yeah yeah and i told him the name and then i went to pick her up and she goes like we played one of your songs for the kids i was like what and she goes yeah we looked you up on youtube i'm like which one because some of them the kids shouldn't be hearing she said they're all just banging their heads giggling <laughs> oh that's awesome just imagine so nobody got up on the table and threw a chair no <laughs> wow. no you would think so because obviously you're a lot harder than Kiss, you know? I mean, maybe it was the age difference. Yeah, may, may, maybe. I I don't know. Maybe the the kids were just crazier back in the 70s and 80s. I I don't Exactly. I don't, I don't know. Oh, that's great. Um so well, I'll be looking forward to hearing the audio version then. That'll be great. Yeah, I hope so. It's going to take a while, but we're going to get it done. A lot, right. of, a lot of stumbling when I'm reading it. I'm like, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you'll get, you'll get through it. I imagine it's it's yeah. obviously new for everybody involved. Like, you know, recording an, an audio book and like having to read your own words aloud. Yeah. You know. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of it's kind of strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we'll uh, everyone will be on on the lookout for that. Um, what um. Oh, I completely forgot what I was going to ask. Oh, um, so with, I mean, obviously in your downtime, you're recording this audio book, but like what other things have you guys been up to in your, in your day to day since being off the road? What are some things that you've, you've had to. I've been writing music. Yeah. Pete's sending me songs. I sent a couple uh, of songs. Um... Yeah. I, I think I have like four or five songs and I, I send them to Lou. Working on that. And doing a lot of yard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to do that yard work, right? 
I wasn't yep. sure if, um, you know, you had to pick up other jobs or anything like that during the time. Not yet. It's getting there because yeah. I think it's going to, it's going to last a lot longer than everybody thinks. And yeah. the, some of the, uh, the stuff I've seen online of the, uh, social distancing shows, it just doesn't appeal to me to play, you know? Mm. Right. It's everything like when you have a really bad night, like my joke is always uh, Oregon on a Wednesday night. You know, there's like 40 people standing far away from the stage all the way in the back. That's pretty much what the new social distancing rules for shows are. It's like, why would I want to? I don't want to ever play Oregon on a Wednesday night again. I don't want to do this. Yeah. No. I mean, with it, well, it's especially with the sick of it all being, you know, so involved with your audience and really getting into it. Like Pete was saying earlier, I mean, it's almost in, it's, it's just not the same and it's almost like a buzzkill yeah. and it's hard to genuinely pull, pull off that, that sick of it all energy, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but, um, uh, well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Um, if uh, if there's no- nothing else, we can uh, we can wrap it up. I'm good. Thanks for having us. No, thank you, thank you guys for doing this. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, it's honestly, it's it's been an honor to have have you guys on the podcast. And um, thank I you was, very much. Yeah, thank you. I hope you have a great rest of the night. And um, definitely looking forward to. Uh, hearing the audiobook and and hopefully next year I can actually you know see uh you and and the rest of sick of it all in in person awesome I hope so yeah I hope so too thanks a lot have a good night thanks see guys you later. yep bye A big thank you once again to Lou and Pete Kohler. I'm also not sure, and I completely forgot to ask them when I was talking to them yesterday during the interview, but I was never sure if it was pronounced Kohler or Collar. So I, I totally apologize to Pete and Lou if I completely butchered the hell out of your last name. I started off the podcast in my intro saying Kohler, or saying Collar, and then I think throughout the interview I was saying Kohler, and I said Kohler just a few minutes ago. So I, I'm just I just wasn't sure. Collar probably makes more sense because there's no A to make it Cole. So I don't know why I thought that, but I apologize for that, Lou and Pete. The Blood and the Sweat is officially out. If you haven't uh, gotten a copy yet, please do so. You can just go to sickofitall.com to get a copy. And then, obviously, they didn't tell us when the audiobook will be released. They're still recording it, but that's something we can look forward to in the future. I'm sure the audiobook will be great since it'll actually be their voices in the audiobook as well. And the great thing about this book, too, is that, as, as I said in, the, uh, in our conversation, it's an easy read. It's literally just reading a conversation between the Kohler brothers, their family, and the other members and friends of the band. So pick up a copy today, sickofitall.com, 
And I hope you enjoy the book. Let me know if you do. Um, You can let us know in our new Facebook group that I created. I wanted to let you know about that as well, um, if you didn't hear about it, because I just started it uh, like a week ago. Um, But it's called uh, Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast Fans, and I created it for uh, avid listeners of the podcast or uh, bands, publicists, whoever. Just whoever is involved with this podcast, it's just a better way for all of us to interact and to talk about things that happened on this episode or that episode or there's um, some new music that is coming out that you want to talk about or try to promote all those different things um, we can do in this uh, this Facebook group so make sure you check that out today and while you're at it you may as well follow us on social media pop punk pizza pod on facebook twitter and instagram it's all the same handle pop punk pizza pod i'm on twitter at on air with jl if you want to submit music to me or you have an interview inquiry or any kind of general questions you want to ask shoot me an email at bangerangradio at gmail.com Now, if you're in a band trying to get an interview or you want me to play music, please obviously submit your your EPK. Uh, I prefer links to either Spotify or YouTube, if you can. Those are the best. I'll take SoundCloud, too. That's fine. Or Bandcamp as well. But usually I prefer Spotify or YouTube to uh, work with just to check out music when i'm when i'm first taking a listen to it so bangerangradio at gmail.com to get a hold of me there so coming up this thursday uh october 1st i will be on another podcast called emo social club and it's going to be recorded live on their twitch which is emosocialclub.tv and that'll be at 7 30 p.m central time this thursday october 1st now if you don't catch the live stream on twitch the actual podcast episode will be up the following monday at least that's what i was told which would be october 5th so i was uh, very honored that lizzie from emo social club asked me to be a guest on the, the podcast so please if you can look up emo social club give them a like give them a follow give them a listen and show them some some support another great podcast out of the chicagoland area so uh, that's coming up this thursday as well as a new episode of pop punk and pizza podcast actually it's going to be my 10 songs for october episode and there are some amazing songs coming up for october Uh, this is a spotify playlist that i put together each uh well it's there right now on Spotify, but I, I change it up once a month for you. So make sure you go follow that uh, playlist on Spotify. It's just under Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. Like it, follow it now. Uh, that way you can listen to the songs that are currently there. And then come October 1st, you'll have a brand new batch of 10 songs that you can check out and jam out to for the month of October. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do in uh, with this podcast so i really look forward to sharing that episode with you coming up this thursday october 1st have a great rest of the week until then um remember to keep those thoughts positive because as i always say 
what we think we become, and I hope whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish right now that uh, you uh, accomplish it. Remember that I believe in you, all right? Don't forget that. Talk to you soon. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice.